I'm here today with Hannah Kinchin, who is up for talking around one of the questions, and she's picked uh, a good one, and I'm going to ask her to, to tell us what that question is. So, Hannah, thank you for taking part in this. That's okay. Uh, tell me the question that you picked. Is it something we do, or is it something we are? Why did that jump out at you? Why did you think of that? Because I think that it's... The way you answer that question would depend on, I think, whether you are happy in your line of work or not. Would you describe yourself as being happy in yes, the work that you do? I would, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, and why? What, what is it? Where does the happiness come from? So the happiness comes from feeling like I'm good at it, that I succeed in what I'm doing, that I reach the targets, that I'm set by others and that I set myself, um, that I have positive social and professional interactions with the people that I work with. Um, that it gives me purpose, um, it gives me focus. I find that it allows me to be creative as well as, as well as you know, being delegated things to do. I suppose I have a bit of a nice balance of both of those things. And before you started working, did you? I mean, sort of going back to the question: Is it something mm. we do or is it something we are? So, are you more veering towards it being something you are rather yeah. than something you do? I think so. I think so. I think, you know, I've got um, a lot of people in my life who you, you know, when people say, oh, what do they do? You can't say it in one word. And I've always thought oh, I want to have a job where I can say it in one word. But that's just me. And I think that's because I've obviously got an understanding that it becomes who you are. And, you know, not necessarily what you do, but you want to be able to say, it. I want to be able to say it in one word because then people know where I'm coming from and what I'm about. Yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um... Did you always see yourself as being kind of in that position? Like, as you were going through, like, university and studying, and did you envisage yourself get, getting into that position? No, I actually didn't ever know what I wanted to do. It was, well, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a marine biologist, and that was what I wanted to do. And then when I was at um, college, I wanted to be a psychologist, and that was what I wanted to do. Then I really wanted to be an anthropologist and, like, go and work with, Amazonian tribes and stuff um, and then <laughs> so people and animals I suppose are an interest um, but I never really never really knew what I wanted to do and then I got into a job um, a couple of jobs where you know one job I had fun with the people that I was working with but it, I didn't really enjoy the work mm -hmm. then I had another job where the work would have been really cool but the people were horrible right, yeah. and then I actually just thought well I want to find something that I can have a balance of both the job is good and the people are good so then I decide to try and get into where I am now, really. What do you... Cause so, so you say that, like, for you, your work is around, like, being good at it, having Ooh. success, there being a social and professional element to it. The reason why I kind of ask this question is because I'm interested in, you know, I guess the, the other people that do work, that it is just something they do. Mm. And, like, I guess one of the things I, I'm always thinking about is how they find fulfillment in some way in that work because there's always going to be work to be done as you say you've done jobs mm. in your life where it hasn't been necessarily something you'd want to be defined as yeah um you didn't use those words but that's the impression yeah, I got. yeah definitely and that's different now and so I'm, I'm always intrigued you know by you know like if, if i think about the people i photograph for beyond work so like the postman the dustbin mm. man they're clearly jobs where that there's something they do they're not like something they're like that all-encompassing all and defines their kind of whole being. Mm. 
And so, yeah, I wondered if you had any thoughts around that, you know, like the, the idea of like where people find fulfilment in their work. I don't, I don't know, really. I suppose it depends on your, your personal passions and your goals that you want to achieve generally in life mm. and actually whether those, whether you are lucky enough to be in a job that helps fulfil those at the same time mm. or if you do that in another, you know, outside of work time so you know lots of people I'm sure have more hobbies than I do I don't have really hobbies sometimes it bothers me mm -hmm. but you know often I'll I will it's really sad spend my spare time working because I enjoy it I suppose and so there's actually so you know the things that I want to achieve in my life and the things that I want that I think are important are under come under the work that I do mm -hmm. so I don't feel the need to do it elsewhere yeah because yeah. it comes under that so I mentioned um before we started recording that I kind of didn't want to expose what it was you did <laughs> until the end of the interview because I've got this idea that I don't want people to prejudge like what you're talking about and why you're yeah. talking about it but I actually think I think we should say what you do now because you are actually responsible in some way for a load of new people's working lives in a way, you know, mm. prepare, you're a teacher basically. Yeah. And, you know, so out of those people you're teaching at the moment, some of those are going to go into jobs that are a bit going to be fulfilling and some of them are going to mm. go into jobs that maybe, you know, are the, the kind of, there's something they do rather than something they are. Does that ever come up? Like, do you ever talk to pupils about like, yeah. I guess you do talk to them about their careers and... Yeah, definitely. Well, because of the subject that I teach, so because I'm teaching secondary and because I'm teaching life skills, which is PSHE, citizenship and RE, we do a lot of work on their, you know, their um, employability, their goals, their political opinions, what kind of um, skills and qualities and attributes they need to have to become a positive citizen. Mm -hmm. um, so we do quite a lot of... I have, have a lot of those chats, you know, we have people from the colleges come in and talk to the kids to try and see what they want to do. So I have a lot of conversations with the students about that, um, what they want to do. But for me, it's, yeah, I want to prepare them and I want them to understand that they are entitled and they have the right to have a job that they enjoy. That's my, my ultimate goal. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, so I, as much as I possibly can, try and show them that I enjoy my job, that I'm quite happy there and that I get along with the people I think it's nice for the students to see that I'm friends with my colleagues and that we support each other um and also that but it's not just about that so I, yeah I will try and talk about work with them but sometimes it's more just about helping them develop their own political opinions and their own um beliefs about things that need to be changing in the world really yeah. and then if that's if that inspires them to get a job in that you know, in that field than it does. But if not, then it's just a hobby, like I was saying. Maybe that's actually something that they want to pursue in their own time. Out of the, the kind of people that you're teaching at the moment, how many of them do you think will um, want to go into further education? And is it a high percentage? Is there a big drive for that? Um, well, at this school, it's not quite as high as my last school. I mean, obviously now um, it's compulsory until they're 18. They have to go to college now. Um, well, all college or do an apprenticeship. So mm -hmm. we offer that. Lots of them want to go to college and um, 
yeah, they, well, they want to go, not just they have to, they want to. Um, and then we do quite a lot of work with the university. So Sussex and Brighton will often come in and do workshops with particular target mm. groups of students who might be the first generation to go to university, trying to inspire them and encourage them to go to university if it's what they want to do. I think increasingly people want to go to university. However, I think the new, you know, the cost of the um, tuition fees is putting a lot of families off, particularly in Brighton, if there is... You know, families who can't, who are of certain, um, you know, income households, they can't imagine that kind of money, let alone spending that on one year's worth of education. Yeah. Which I think yeah. is a shame. Yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued by, you know, then, like, do you have, do people have an idea of, like, working life? Do you get people, like, people to come in and talk to them about work? And because uh, I, I think back to, like, when I was that age, which is a few years ago, um, and... I had no, I did have part-time jobs by the time I was like 14, I, I was doing part-time work, but I had no idea, like, I had an idea of what I wanted to do, but it felt like a kind of hobby thing, yeah. um, but I, did, I really couldn't even think like a year ahead, let alone three years ahead, yeah. um, <laughs> so I just wonder, like, now has that changed, you know, are, are people, are students kind of a lot more forward-thinking about like, what's happening? No, <laughs> no, they... I mean, I think it's in teenagers' nature. They're very, they, yeah, they can't think that far ahead. They're very short-term, mm, um, mm. you know, and that's why they're so spontaneous and that's why they're so reckless is because they can't see past, you know, the next couple of months, let alone anything else. Mm. Um, but we do have lots of people um, who work or volunteer for charities come in, and especially in the GCSE that I'm doing, um, which is citizenship, for their coursework, they have to communicate with people in positions of power so for example uh, at the moment I have a group who are working on campaigning to try and prevent or support homeless people in Brighton so they've contacted people who work for St Mungo's in London to try and say well what what do you think should be done or what can we do to try and support these people or prevent them from becoming homeless in the first place and so because they're talking to all these people who have you know dedicated their lives to this cause as work um, and as a hobby and an interest and a passion they are getting an understanding I think of how um, people can combine work with something they enjoy and something they like doing um, whether it be paid or voluntary so we have um, the Samaritans come in and talk to them but that's more of a you know in terms of supporting their own mental health and mental well-being and emotional well-being but they can still understand that you know you can go and volunteer for the Samaritans from a relatively young age I think mm, mm, and actually mm. lots of them after they've had the Samaritans come in and talk to them think oh that's something that's really worth doing and really quite that's cool. positive yeah, um, yeah. I think the things that we do either subtly or explicitly do prepare them for understanding a little bit more about their future and what work is out there good good yeah. one of the things that came up in one of the in other interviews I did um, with someone um, was around like purpose and we chatted a little bit about how, like in my experience, a lot of the people I know that kind of say, oh, I found purpose in my work or I understand, I love what I do now. It tends to happen when they're in their 30s or 40s. Mm. They kind of go through like, you know, maybe a decade of working life and it takes them a while to come to a realisation of, oh, actually, I want to be doing this. And, and I think mm. you found it kind of quite, you're, you're younger, you know, you're <laughs> yeah. in your 20s. So, yeah. you know, you, you've clearly found found something earlier on. But yeah. it just feels like something that 
I, I'm not sure how, whether or not you can force it. The debate we ended up having, the, the, the point we got to was um, the person I was interviewing saying, maybe you need those years where mm. like you don't, there's no pressure in you having to find this thing that you love doing. Maybe that's an important part of the kind of getting to like know what you want to do yeah. rather than like being like 18 and, and, and like someone basically running a workshop trying to make you work out what it is you yeah. love doing. Um, so I wondered like if you had any thoughts on that. I don't, I don't really know what made me decide. I know, actually, no, I do. I, I say that, but I do fully know what made me decide to get into teaching. Um, and it was when I was, as it was someone's PA, and it was just, you know, the guy wasn't very nice to me, and the, the job was just completely pointless. Like what we were all working towards as a team was just completely pointless and short term. And I just thought, well, I want to do something that's a bit more long term, have a bit more of an impact. And And so I kind of just thought, well, I'll do... I'll apply to get on a PGCE course and then I did it but then we decided to go traveling for a year so I had to postpone it for a year and then came back and then got into it and I just loved it I think I just yeah it just something just clicked and then you know sometimes I think it's it's an exhausting job and it, it is exhausting <laughs> sometimes I get a bit worried because teachers seem to age really <laughs> quicker than everyone else and I don't want to look like 40 when I'm 30 <laughs> but <laughs> Um, but you know, just some, but now, now I think, and myself and all my teacher friends as well, we always say, well, what, what else could we do? Mm. I can't, I can't see myself doing anything else. And, but, but it also scares me very much. I mean, you know, I think it, I think in a way it's much better to be content in your job when you are about 30 or 40, because I know, because you have had, you've had that time whereas for me actually now um it's quite daunting having all this time ahead of me in my life where potentially I'll be doing the same and actually I had my um I'm very lucky that I've been given a coaching opportunity at school so I get a coach once a half term and they will their focus is helping me prof develop like professionally develop myself so I kind of tell them what I want to be doing and then they will help support me in that, which is really fantastic opportunity to have. Mm -hmm. um, it's fantastic. But then I was talking to her on Thursday and she just said, so you're already head of department and you've only been teaching three years. Where do you see yourself going? Like, is your goal to become a head? And I said, well, no, I don't want, I don't want to become that. So for a lot of people who are working in their career towards becoming head of department over a long period of time, I've, I've got that really quickly. So actually it's, it's a bit of a bizarre position to be in because I haven't been um, teaching very long and I'm already at a, a middle management position. Mm. And I'm not even sure if I want to go up to the next level of management because that's not, you teach less and you, you yeah, I just don't know if it will really work. It reminds me of something my dad used to say actually about never really wanted to become a manager at the post office. Like, yeah. He just, it didn't interest him, I think for different reasons. So going back to the question, if it's something you are, do you ever get to the point where you're like, I can't, I can't switch off from this and I really need mm. to switch off from it because it's just all encompassing. It's like, you know, you're marking at home, you're mm. working on, on stuff at the weekends and, you know, like bumping into kids in the street mm -hmm. and, and, and you're a teacher again or you're, you're responsible, you know, mm. in some way. So does it stress you? Do you get stressed about work? Yeah, I do get stressed, yeah. <laughs> I was saying to my friend, um, I was saying to my friend yesterday, actually, we're, we're going to a friend from work's party in a couple of days' time, 
and we were saying how there's always you have you have your your summer wardrobe and you have your winter wardrobe and your normally your winter wardrobe is a size smaller because you go back to school and you're like in stress mode so you don't eat as much and you lose weight wow <laughs> and then so everyone most teachers are skinnier <laughs> in, the run -up, in the first term <laughs> god that's so quite get, telling that's... yeah you do get quite stressed because because you just you yeah so from from september to christmas it's ultra oh my goodness I have to be really responsible I have to work really hard having had so much time off and then from Christmas to Easter it's oh my goodness I'm so stressed I have to get these kids to get their exams prepare for their exams and then from Easter to summer you're just ultra chilled right so it's a very there's a, there's definitely a rotation to it mm -hmm. um but I still love it like I, you know I don't I'm definitely a person, I don't, you know, I wouldn't say I thrive off stress, but I need that rigid, um, I suppose it's rigid target setting. I need to know that I have to have things done by certain deadlines and there's no way I can get around that. Otherwise, I would just put stuff off. I'm a massive procrastinator. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, I think as well, the stress, it in teaching, it's it's worth it because... You know, you have so many up moments and yeah, you know, sometimes the kids can be a nightmare, but more often than not, they're lovely and yeah. it, it outweighs it. And for me, I think that's why it's something that I am and not something that I do because actually I, I love it. I thrive on it. And even when I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about one particular child, that I haven't thought about for a long time, which I often do, you know, you're often thinking about individuals, and you're like, oh God, I have to talk to that kid, or I'll have to sort this out. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes you're just like, oh, just turn it off, but, but still I think it's quite nice. Yeah, yeah. In a way. It's quite interesting thinking about that, you know, the, the people that do work that, you know, is, it is something they are, that I think, like, obviously people need money to live, but that becomes almost a secondary thing to mm. the kind of work that they're doing and what they get out of it. And I'm guessing, and this is a, a massive presumption, but I imagine that the money that most teachers are paid does not cover the amount of hours no. and the time they have to put in Definitely for doing not. the work. I mean, on our, um, so we get our pay slips and on our pay slips, it says that we actually only get paid for 32 and a half hours a week, which isn't um, even a full-time job. And how many hours do you reckon you do? Probably 50. Wow. Probably 50. I normally get into work at 7.30 in the morning. If I've got a break duty or if I've got detentions at lunchtime, which is most days, you don't get a break. And then I will leave work at 5, 4.30 or 5. Well, no, normally 5. And then I might have to do another hour or so work at home or some at the weekend. Mm -hmm. And so, do the long holidays make up for that? I mean, do they... Yeah. they yes, do. definitely. I think that's, you know... Like I was saying, when teachers talking, we go, oh, could we ever do anything else? I don't think I could. Just just for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just purely for that reason, I think, as well, the holidays. And the last thing I want to kind of ask you is kind of around the future of teaching. Mm. And if you have any ideas around that, like changes or things maybe you'd like to implement. You know, I know that when you were studying, you were thinking about philosophy and psychology mm. and... 
And so I know you've thought about kind of like critical thinking and um, just from knowing you for a while. Do you have any plans to develop ideas? So thinking about your development as a teacher. Yeah. You know, bringing in new ways of teaching. And I could I can imagine you doing stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And that's something that I was talking with with my coach on Thursday is, um, you know, trying to perhaps change the, the structure of the curriculum in our subject because we have the freedom to do that. You know, um, RE and, and PSHE are you have to do them nationally. However, you have a lot of freedom to do them. So actually we've got lots of freedom to change the structure of them. So I'm gonna start thinking about that more. Um, I think that, you know, unfortunately, I also had a meeting this week when they suggested that we cut the hours of our subject down in order to make more time for English and maths. And so, you know, it's constantly having to fight our corner that our subject's important and necessary. Do they explain the reasoning behind that? Oh, because the new maths and English curriculum for GCSE are too demanding and they can't do it in the seven hours they already have a fortnight. Which is ludicrous. Um, but, you know, because actually I what, what we do is fundamental for them to becoming positive members of society and well-rounded individuals in the future we're not just focused on them getting their GCSE we're focused on their entire future as individuals um so constantly having to fight that I mean luckily most of the members of this most of the um members of staff in the school understand that what we do is important and would back us as well um so you know continuing to fight the corner I suppose would be something um and also you know this this grammar school thing and this academy thing that's just I think if we have to just continue to strike to prevent that from happening, that's what we've got to do. Um, but I don't think it can come just from the parents. I think it's a responsibility for the kids. You know, so because we teach a lot of politics as well, trying to educate the kids on what this will mean for their future if they yeah. change this. Yeah. Um, especially because we teach about equality and diversity and actually grammar schools is going to be so against that. Mm -hmm. um, making sure that children can campaign against this as well would be really powerful. Yeah, at least um, have their own thoughts about it. Yeah, you know, At least exactly. be able to actually question stuff effectively. Exactly. I mean, for now, I think, bef I think before we can try and think of innovative and exciting new strategies to bring in, we have to just resist the changes that are potentially on the cards for now which are going to crush creativity crush um individuality and just not not create um uh, independent well-rounded critical thinking individuals that we need in the yeah. future yeah that kind of leads me on to one final question around mm. automation robotics and you know like stuff that's going to start happening already is mm. happening that is decreasing or is going to decrease the amount of jobs that are going to be around in the next kind of two, three, four decades. Yeah. And that kids that are going to school now are going to be still in the working world mm. when that stuff's happening. We are, you know. And I wonder if there's any thinking being done around that at schools about... So it feels to me like you're preparing them to be rounded individuals that can mm. cope in all sorts of scenarios. Uh, and that, to me, feels like a good thing. But, you know, I do think a lot about, you know, education and how it's preparing people for that, you know, what feels to me is going to be quite a different world of work over the next few decades. Yeah, definitely. I know. And, well, this is the one of the things that a lot of teachers... It's funny how I always say teachers because it shows that we do identify ourselves as teachers, doesn't it? Um, but how a lot of teachers... A question that we always have to ask ourselves is how on earth can we prepare kids for jobs that we don't even know exist yet? and don't even exist yet mm -hmm. um and so yeah you know for me it is just about giving them the skills that they need you know rather than teaching them certain content or rather than teaching them um 
you know, the jobs that are there already and how you can get there. More about teaching them, you know, um, skills that can be applied in all aspects of their life. Mm -hmm. um, because that's something that kids, a lot of kids lack and that they need a lot of guidance on. You know, even, for example, when you're teaching them how to write properly in English, they don't understand that they can use that skill in history. Yeah. So yeah. often their quality of writing in history is far worse. So if you look at their English book, it's much better. They don't understand these transferable skills. Mm -hmm. So I think we need to do lots more work on encouraging that and um and like yeah like you brought up critical thinking and and creativity you know that's a problem if we're going to bring in the e back and creativity is going to go down and creativity is what drives communities and what drives societies and yeah. industry and development of new things exactly you know, so, new jobs and new ideas and exactly new, yeah, so if right. we can't if we can't find space and time to teach creativity then I don't know what that suggests for the future. That's why we have to protect that and fight for that, whether it be art or drama or music or even RE or citizenship. You know, those things have to be, they're so important. Yeah, um, yeah. And without those subjects and without the opportunity to even learn about those subjects. I know some schools that don't no longer offer music. And I think it's just so sad. You have to offer these things otherwise we won't ever move forward mm, mm, brilliant brilliant well thank you so much for chatting to me That's today okay. really enjoyed <laughs> it um if you'd like to hear more of these interviews you can go to www.thisisbeyondwork.com you'll also find a whole bunch of other stories and photo stories and other interviews with people that i studied over the last few years thank you for listening mm -hmm.